RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. We are back in the Dignitary Cafe studios here in the Radio Influence studios. A big shout, shout out to them and Jason for always doing a great job producing the show and getting it up on video. And to that end, make sure you check us out on YouTube and all of our social media. We have the video from these podcasts if you want to see uh, kind of what goes on in here and uh, what it looks like. And uh, some other things that we do, try to keep it interesting and fresh. And uh, every once in a while, I'll give you give you a little bit of legal advice. So let's jump into a topic that is really all over the national news. And, you know, for, for good reason, I, I guess. Um, maybe not for good reason. Maybe there's not a good reason in any of this. Um, and as I've mentioned over and over in the past, anytime you have something that is horrific, it usually makes for good legal topics. Um, but let's look at Gabby Petito and uh, what is it? Brian Landry, I believe his first name is. I know his last name's Landry. And um, let's look at that. And, you know, it, it's local here to the Tampa Bay area, but it seems to have made national news. So let's take a quick look at why it's had such national interest. Okay. Uh, she was from Long Island, New York, and they were down here in Northport, Florida. And she was believed to have disappeared out in uh, out west so um they believe uh they were going from east coast to west coast on a on a uh, road trip all right and colorado was involved and uh, they were looking at um, utah and some of the national parks so this whole thing encompasses really the entire country so what i want to look at first is let's look at the timeline real quick all right and, and figure out where we start and where we get to where we are today uh, is September 20th, uh, Monday. So there's been some developments that have happened over the weekend here. So uh, I do want to look at the legal aspect, but I think in order to look at the legal aspect, you need to have a little bit of a framework of the timeline. All right, so here we go. July 2nd, 2021, uh, Petito and Landry depart and they leave New York, and they head west, okay? Uh, she had a, a Ford, uh, I think, like, small work van that, that you've seen. They're kind of boxy, but not a box truck. Um, they're just kind of tall. They're like a tall minivan, basically. Uh, you see some electricians and things like that sometimes run around in those vans. So they leave cross-country trip for there, uh, and they get to Utah, and August 12th, the police are called. There's some kind of, we'll call it an altercation, okay? There's some event that happens. Uh, it, it's really unknown who started it, how it started, and, and really the full depth of it. But what we know is it happened in Moab City, Utah. We know that there's body cam footage from the law enforcement there. And we know that both of them can be seen. And from what I have been able to see in it, um, not a lot of along the lines of injuries. From what I understand, maybe there was a slap and a push. Um, and, you know, doesn't necessarily... Really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but we don't have the full investigation. And there's not a lot along the line of witnesses. And in the absence of any real injuries, any, any visible marks, all we have is speculation. So I'm not necessarily going to speculate as to who did what and uh, how it went on, but basically an argument with a minor scuffle. All right, we'll call it that. And, and you can, 
develop your own thoughts from there. Okay. And then as of August 25th, we know that the, uh, that was the last time Miss Petito was seen. And then, uh, August 30th, uh, was the last communication that was had via text message. So, I mean, that said, think about it. You see it, you know, think of a movie maybe, right? You have a text message. A text message could truly come from anybody. So we know she was last seen on the 25th and the last mode of communication, which was via text message, was August 30th. And then September 1st, Mr. Landry returns to Northport, Florida. So that takes us up to our timeline, okay, and gets us to where we are today, um, I guess, as an edit to that timeline and add on to it and there hasn't been and it's we're recording the show it's 8 13 in the morning uh on september 20th um her a body was found out west and they believe it is miss petito's however uh there has been no official identification of this so as of the moment that this is recorded there's been no official identification. They believe it is her, uh, possibly by the time you're hearing the show, whether you hear it uh, today on the 20th or sometime into the future, there will have been a positive identification or a negative identification, meaning that it wasn't her. Okay. So that's where we sit as of today. Now, law enforcement is still looking for Mr. Landry or Laundry. Uh, I'm not really sure how you pronounce his name, but, um, they're still looking for him. And it kind of begs the, the legal question of what duties does he have? Does he have to talk to them? Does he owe a duty to her to let law enforcement know the last time and last location that he saw her? And, and it, it really brings about an interesting legal question from a multitude of areas. Okay. So let's look at it first from the civil side of things meaning the not criminal, right? So you have criminal and civil. Those are really your only two options. So when you look at it from the civil side of it, does Mr. Laundry have a duty or an obligation to speak to law enforcement if it would aid in finding her and finding her alive, right? So think about it. He was back in Northport on September 1st. The last time she was seen was August 25th, and we're now at September 20th. Okay. During that time, maybe if somebody had said, Hey, this is the exact last place I saw her and this is what was going on. And this was the condition that she was in. And, and this was the equipment that she had with her. Maybe the outcome would have been different. Maybe, right? That's pure speculation. But the bigger question is, does Mr. Laundry have it, an obligation to do that? And Seemingly counterintuitively, he does not. There is no obligation on the civil side for anybody to go, hey, I know what's going on with this person and I can help this person. There is no obligation to help somebody. And I know we talked about this a little bit uh, when we had the uh, the boat incident where we came upon some people in the water, all right? Maritime law being a little different than what we have here. All right, so not to you know, touch on the same topic a couple times here, uh, but it's similar. But what we see in the legal world is we have these similar legal analysis that come up with vastly different facts. And that's what we have here. We have vastly different facts. Okay, so that's the civil side of it. Now, let's look at it from the criminal side. And the laundries, they have a lawyer. Now, uh, you know, a lot of people say they have a lawyer and look, I don't know their 
real financial situation, most people don't truly have a lawyer on speed dial, right? Um, most of them will go find a lawyer when they need something and then they'll say, that's my lawyer. And some people will look at that and go, well, he must be guilty because he has a lawyer. Well, I mean, look, not necessarily, okay? It, it, and I think at this point in time, on, on this day, as of right now, the common thought process, and this, this isn't my thought, but I think the public opinion is Mr. Laundry's guilty. He did it, right? We have no idea what he did, but he did it. He's guilty. He is guilty of murder, right? Well, we didn't have a body until yesterday. We don't even know if that body is hers, and we have no idea what happened to that person. And oh, by the way, okay, there was a shooting that occurred in August, double shooting, close to where they were, and on a campground, okay? Could be related, might not be related. But what we know is in the court of public opinion, Mr. Laundry is guilty. And that is a very, very dangerous place to be, okay? And if he were my kid, I'd say, you get a lawyer, get you a lawyer right now, okay? I have a list of people that would be my first people that I would call, all right? And that's how, how that would go. And there's been some social media fodder back and forth between Northport Police Department and Mr. Laundry's lawyer of Northport Police saying, hey, just help us find her. Just, you know, do the right thing and help us, right? And, and the lawyer's saying, pretty rightfully so, well, we don't have to. So we're not going to, right? Because here's the, here's the reality, and it's a harsh reality, okay? Just like there's no civil obligation, to provide information. There's definitely no criminal obligation to provide information. Furthermore, okay, there's this little thing called the Fifth Amendment, all right? You may have seen it on TV. Uh, it comes up in shows every once in a while where uh, someone goes, oh, I plead the Fifth, right? Um, every once in a while when there's uh, big Senate hearings, you'll hear somebody say they plead the Fifth. And it is the right to not self-incriminate, meaning that I don't have to give a statement that's going to incriminate myself in a criminal case, okay? But here's the key. That can also apply on the civil side. So if someone asks me to testify and subpoenas me to testify, I can go, I plead the fifth, okay? And a jury is not supposed to make any inference from that. Now, look, we're all people, right? And the going thought is that if someone pleads the fifth, they must be guilty, but here's what we have for evidence, okay? Let's look at what we have, and let's look at what law enforcement can do with what we have for evidence. And you out there listening may go, well, how, how do you know, right? Well, put it like this. Yes, I've been an attorney for eight years, okay? So I've seen that side of things, but I spent six years in law enforcement. And I can tell you how a lot of these things work. All right. There was a lot of times where we had no evidence and we still found a way to arrest somebody because they opened their mouth. Okay. So let's take a little bit of a deeper dive look because I think that's important from the legal side to look at. Okay. What do we have for evidence right now? The only piece of evidence that we have is Mr. Laundry's believed to be the last person to see Miss Petito alive. That's it. That 
is our only known evidence. Now, look, could law enforcement have some additional physical evidence that really ties this all together? Sure, they absolutely could, okay? But law enforcement doesn't always share all their evidence, and for good reason, okay? Uh, A lot of it comes down to you may want to hold something back because you may want to get information from somebody and you may want to have an understanding of where that's coming from, right? Or you may have physical evidence but not understand how it fits into the bigger uh, bigger picture, right? It's where that fits in in the puzzle, right? Because it's all a puzzle. We have all these different pieces. So what we know is, at least from the outside looking in, the only piece of evidence that there exists is that he's the last person to see her alive. That's not a lot of evidence, Okay, that doesn't tell us absolutely anything at all. Okay, last time she was seen, August 25th. It is now September 20th. A body was found either September 18th or September 19th. Okay, a lot could happen. And oh, by the way, Mr. Laundry's been in Florida since September 1st, or at least believed to have been in Florida since September 1st. Okay, I, I believe he was known to be here, but he's been disappeared now for at least a couple of weeks okay a lot can happen right and if he's not there and she's across the country what's to say that something didn't happen in the time from september 1st to september 18th or 19th okay so we have the circumstantial piece that says yes he was the last one to see her but we have no other information okay and and it's going to be tough which is why his lawyer is right in telling him not to speak because all of a sudden those things that you say can get turned against you, even if they're really innocent and mundane. Okay. You just never know what's going to happen and how all of a sudden you could be completely innocent. Mr. Laundry could be completely innocent. Let's not forget that in any of this. Okay. Even though the court of public opinion has found him guilty, right? Let's not forget that. Maybe, just maybe, okay, this guy's completely innocent, and his fiance's dead, likely dead, okay? Let, let's step that back just a second, because we don't have an official positive identification, all right? We'll go with, officially, she's missing. So, officially, his fiance's missing, but believed to be dead, okay? What if he's innocent? Think about what he's going through right at this moment in time. Okay, so think about that for one second before you go and convict this guy in the court of public opinion, because we don't know. And yeah, the easy answer is the last person that saw her alive. And oh, by the way, the fiance ah, must be him, must be Ah, because TV told me so. Right. And and not a knock on the news. I mean, the the TV shows. Right. Hey, look, on all the TV shows, they can catch a murder and get all the evidence, run all the forensics, get the fingerprints back and convict the person all in an hour time. Yeah. Um, doesn't work like that in real life. (laughs) Um, you try getting DNA back in an hour's time. Um, you try getting DNA back in a day's time, try getting fingerprints back in a day, right? Not happening. Done it before. Not happening. All right. So, you know, it's not like how it is on TV, but let's look at the difficulty here, right? And, And, I'm going to go out here and say it right now. It's September 20th, 2021. I'm going to put this out here that this, we're going to assume that it's a homicide, okay? Whether it's manslaughter or murder. Uh, Homicide, by definition, is just the killing of another human by another human being, okay? That's what homicide is. Uh, Manslaughter is essentially an accidental 
killing and murder is a, a um, an intentional killing. All right, that uh, on the the highest, like most dumbed down level, that's what those terms mean. So, yeah, we're going to assume that it's a homicide. I'm going to go with that. This remains unsolved. For, the, for our lifetime. Maybe something happens sometime in the future, but this will be what you know people know of as a cold case, and uh, I'm going to go with that this thing remains unsolved. Okay? Here's why. The evidence is going to be extremely difficult. The ability to tie... And let's just say this. Let's just assume for the two seconds here that Mr. Laundry was... was uh, was the su- is the suspect, but is the one who had some sort of homicide here, whether it was manslaughter or murder. Well, he's been gone for over a month. Body's been there for close to a month. Okay, how are you going to have any evidence? Because your evidence is going to show that he was with her, right? Yeah, there may be DNA. Okay, and that DNA may be his. But is there going to be anything there that ties him to an actual homicide? Probably not. Okay. If it was a stabbing, all you're going to have are stab wounds. And if I'm him and I have the knife, oh, I'm taking it with me and I'm getting rid of it and it's gone, right? Never to be found again. There's a, there's a big distance between out West and here, right? Big, big difference or big, big distance, right? A lot of places to hide something. Okay. So think about that for a moment. Now let's just say it uses a gun. Okay, fair enough, right? Hey, guns are traceable, right? Sure, yeah. Hey, I have the serial number, and in Florida, you don't have to register any firearms, but if you buy it new from a gun dealer, they're going to have record of that serial number. So you say, great. Now, what's the best case scenario that you're going to have? You're going to assume, and we're going to assume, that if he had a gun, that it had never been used in the commission of a crime, which therefore means that there have never been any ballistic tests done on it. So the most we're going to have is the same caliber round found with the body as we do the gun. So for example, you could have a 40 caliber round with the body and a 40 caliber gun. That's it. That's likely going to be your only tie-in, right? And, you know, hey, I'm sure that gun's probably nowhere to be seen. Right now, look, if you're able to find the gun, can you run ballistic tests to match the slugs, right? The slug from the body and, and a test slug. Sure. Okay. That is possible. Um, but right now, all this is speculation. At some point, we're going to find out the cause of death. It hasn't been released as of the taping of this show. And that might tie up some things, right? Let's say it's what's known as blunt force trauma, right? You've heard that on TV, blunt force trauma. What is that? Well, um, think about it like this, and we're going to use the woods because presumably this happened out in the woods somewhere. You take a rock, right? It's not sharp, right? So blunt and hit on the head. Boom. Okay. That's blunt force trauma, right? So, but how, how are you going to tie that in? Because his DNA is going to be with her anyway, right? Because they were together. They were known to be together. They were on a trip together, right? So all those things... Really, really difficult. So I, I just, I think there's going to be a really impossible case to solve if you just have to use the evidence. Now, if you can get a statement from Mr. Laundry, whole new ball game because you may be able to tie some things together, right? And look, maybe this whole thing was accidental. 
entirely possible, right? Maybe there wasn't anybody else involved. Maybe, right? Maybe they were building a fire. She goes and walks off into the woods, trips, falls, hits her head on a rock, and he goes looking and he goes in the wrong direction. Who knows? Can't find her. Looks, 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 looks for a while. Still can't find her. Then comes back home. I don't know. It's possible, right? It's entirely possible. So a lot of different pieces here, but from the legal side, that's why I'm not talking. That's why I'm telling my client, if he's my client, don't talk to the police because they don't have any real evidence. And even if they have real evidence, okay, the ability to tie it to you is extremely difficult, okay? So there's no benefit, right? So you're always looking at cost-benefit analysis and risk analysis, and that's what I do all day, every day. And there is no benefit to having every any conversation with law enforcement. So that's why... He's not, okay? Uh, let's look at things just for the moment from the civil side, okay? Think about this for the moment and, and kind of, we'll say it's a similar case only because it's one shrouded in a lot of question marks. And it was, it made big, big national press. Uh, those of you who are a little younger than I am uh, are going to not really remember it because it's really, I was really young. I, I want to say either uh, elementary or middle school, uh, but OJ Simpson. Okay. A lot of question marks, not able to convict on the criminal side. Okay. There were too many question marks there on that one. Right now, think about this beyond every reasonable doubt. That's the criminal standard. But what happened to OJ? OJ lost the civil trial. Okay. OJ was found to be responsible for their deaths civilly. Okay. Big, big difference between the two. All right. And I would not be shocked if you saw something similar here where you have a criminal case that doesn't have the ability to be solved and a civil case that ends up in Mr. Laundry being found responsible. Okay. A, a verdict for the plaintiff, if you will. Okay, that's what happened in OJ because you have these competing standards of law, these competing burdens. All right, so those of you who are watching on video can see there's a tipping of the scales, right? The scales of justice. So you have to really tip the scales on a criminal case. You have to bring that all the way down because it's beyond every reasonable doubt, right? Well, it's not the case in the civil trial. All I have to do is clear and convincing evidence. I just have to tip those scales just a tiny bit, right? From even. Nope, just drop it a little, okay? And that's our standard. That's our burden of proof. That's what we have to show. So I can make a lot more, I can make inferences stick a whole lot better in a civil case than I can a criminal case. Because don't forget, there was another double shooting somewhere in that general vicinity. So I got a madman on the loose. That's how I'm going to pitch him. I'm the defense. I got a madman on the loose. It's not Mr. Laundry. That's not within his personality. Okay. That's just not him. Now, can you get personality stuff in? Most likely not, but you get the gist of where I'm going with this, right? That guy who did that other thing, he's the one responsible, not my, not my client, right? That'll fly in a criminal trial. You're going to need a whole lot more than that in a civil trial. Okay. So I welcome any questions that any of the listeners have on it or any additional takes and information that, that you want please reach out lawfather at tampalawfather.com be more than happy 
to uh, discuss this in more detail. Okay, it's it's really a somber case, but you know, as I've mentioned lots of times in the past, and I never want this to get lost, is that really horrible things end up in the ability to have a really, uh, really good legal analysis, right? They, they really lend themselves to being analyzed. All right. So that is that story. All right. That is the legal analysis on it. And, uh, you know, hearts out to both families. It's uh, really a difficult time, especially for, for both sets of parents. No matter what happens here, uh, the, the parents are the ones that, that just take the biggest hit in it. So, um, you know, uh, hearts and prayers out to them. So let's let's change gears a little bit, okay? Let's let's move out of a, such a somber topic, and let's look at a wit- listener question. All right, um, we've been doing really good on listener questions. Please keep them coming. Lawfather at TampaLawfather.com is the email address dedicated to this show, and social media. Just DM me whatever question you have. I'll take a look at it, and if it's uh, one that makes sense, we'll put it on the show. So, question for today is, what is a fair settlement in a car accident case? Hey, great question. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a lot that I necessarily get asked this really straightforward like that, but it's a conversation that I have just about every day with clients as we're trying to make a determination as to what we do, right? Because... Well, we'll, do, we'll send a demand letter out and then the, the insurance company will make an offer and then we'll go back and forth and see if we can reach a resolution. And, you know, the clients don't always say, hey, what's a fair settlement for my case, right? But they want to know, well, hey, what's it worth? What, what should I do? Um, what options do I have? So it's something that comes up all day, every day. It's a conversation that I have all day, every day. Um, I can tell you what's not a fair settlement most times right? We'll say probably, and I don't have any true data on this, but we'll say upwards of 98, 99% of the time. All right. It's just a guess, but it's based on what I've heard from clients that that offer that the insurance company makes you before you have an attorney, that's not going to be a fair settlement offer. All right. So let me repeat that again, because it's, it's worth noting. And unfortunately, I have a lot of conversations with people who have accepted this as a fair settlement, that first offer that that insurance company makes you for $500 or $1,000 before you have an attorney, probably not the fair settlement offer, okay? Look, my profession, or at least the my area of expertise in the law would not exist if the insurance companies acted fairly. So they need us to help them to, you know, act a little bit more fair. That's essentially what we're here for. Okay. So what makes up a fair settlement? Well, if we take it at its lowest common denominator, and this was something that was imparted in in me as a, as a young lawyer, fair settlement is what the insurance company is willing to offer and the client is willing to take. Okay. If those two amounts meet, that is a fair settlement. Okay. Now that's the overly simplified version. Okay. And from my experience, fair settlements, uh, from January to November look different than fair settlements from November to December. Uh, because from November to December every year, the insurance companies seem to be willing to put a little bit more money out there and clients seem to be willing to take a little bit less. 
Okay. And it all has to do with really the competing factors of the insurance companies want these things off their books before the new year. And a lot of clients want the extra money for Christmas. Okay. Um, so the definition of a fair settlement can change. All right. But what is a fair settlement? If we drill down a little bit past just that overly simplified statement is we get your medical bills paid. We get your future medical bills taken care of, right? So that's all the things that the doctor says you're going to need in the future, right? Now, look, sometimes it's, well, you might need this in the future. You might need this absolute major spinal replacement surgery. Yeah, that doesn't exist. So I'm, I'm making things up here, right? Um, but that spinal replacement surgery, yeah, we're exaggerating for purpose, all right? Yeah, you're probably not going to be able to recover for that because it's overly speculative, right? And it's a major, major thing that probably is never going to happen. And oh, by the way, it doesn't exist, okay? But what it takes care of is, and we're talking about the future medicals, all right, in most cases, are those things that is really likely to happen, okay? So continued, you know, once a quarter, every other month, say chiropractic care, physical therapy, just to keep things moving right, uh, MRIs every year or two, just to check in and make sure things haven't shifted or gotten worse, okay? In younger people who have pretty severe injuries, surgeries sometimes do, get a, do carry a lot of weight because a lot of times surgeons won't want to do procedures on someone when they're too young. Or what they'll say is, we can do a lesser procedure when you're younger, but the more invasive procedure will need the weight because a lot of times those more invasive procedures have a shelf life to them in terms of you have one, it lasts say 10 years, then you need another one. Okay. Um, so those types of things become your future medical. All right. Your pain and suffering and your lost wages. So a fair settlement is made up of all of that. And it really depends on how hurt you are. So is there a specific number that I can sit here and tell you what a fair settlement is? No, absolutely not, because it's different for every single person, every single case, every single set of facts carries a different fair settlement. But that's also why it's important to have an attorney who knows what they're doing, right? That's why it's important to have a personal injury attorney, because personal injury attorneys have worked with these things. They've seen these over and over and over and over again and can tell you what a fair settlement or fair resolution is for your case. All right. So that is our listener question for today. And that was what is a fair settlement in a car accident? It is the law father podcast. We are here in radio influence studios as always a big shout out to Jason, uh, who comes in early on Monday mornings after, uh, working the Bucks games. So big shout out to Jason and Radio Influence. Be sure to check out all the other shows on Radio Influence. I know uh, my man DJ Eakin has a new show starting up here soon. Uh, just listen to his his final uh, DJ Eakin podcast show um, with the with the new show rolling out here. It may have roll, rolled out by now. I sometimes get a little bit behind. Uh, I'm sure Jason will tell me when we're all done um, what it is. But if uh, I, I know what the title is going to be, uh, at least from what I understand, um, don't want to spoil that though. If it's not out yet, take a listen to him. Take a listen to Ian Beckles. Those are my two main guys here. Uh, I know Jason has a show as well. Check that out. As always, check out our social media. Our TikTok's really heating up. It's really awesome. Eh, not really, but uh, you know, give it a good show. Okay. 
As always, Lawfather Podcast. Lawfather out.